I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. with you all this morning and it is a gift to be here and I uh, 
didn't know what Alyssa was going to do. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, and Gina's created this beautiful worship um, altar for us this morning. Um, so thank you for the privilege of being with you here today. Pastor Michelle, as um, Melissa said, is at Aldersgate today. And I'm usually at Aldersgate, so we have swapped pulpits today. Aldersgate has a history of taking up a special offering during this season of Lent. And they give that to a particular mission and ministry and outreach. And this year they have chosen to give that to Kingstown. And so that's why uh, uh, Michelle is there. So she is there to help kick off this uh, wonderful campaign, uh, raising money for Kingstown. And she's there talking about how incredible you are and what incredible ministry happens here at Island Creek and at Fiona's and at Knoll's and all the other places that you pop up in ministry and build relationships here in this great community. So, so that's why Michelle is over there today. I also want to tell you about another way that, that uh, Kingstown and Aldersgate are partnering in ministry. There's a women's retreat coming up on March the 30th, and it will be at Aldersgate, and Michelle is one of the speakers. She's going to be talking about prayer. Uh, we also have someone uh, doing a workshop on yoga that day, and there's also a workshop on art and prayer. And The uh, women's retreat is called Feeding Your Forgotten Soul, and we hope that you'll join us. Uh, there are flyers and registration forms on the at the welcome tent and then there will also be one of the events created on Facebook and you can pass it around and share it register online but we'd love to have um, you there that day worship with women by women for women all women and everyone is welcome um, we are starting a new sermon series today that Michelle has designed and it's called the week we don't know well we're focusing on Holy Week, which is that week between Palm Sunday and Easter, which usually is also spring break. Um, so we know it by other names as well. But in the church, we call it Holy Week, and it starts with Palm Sunday, and we walk all the days up through the Last Supper with the disciples and the arrest of Jesus, and then the trial and crucifixion, and Jesus being placed in the tomb. And so it's all of that through Easter Sunday morning. And instead of doing that in one week, you get the privilege of this beautiful thing that Michelle has designed. So we'll walk through Holy Week Sunday by Sunday during the season of Lent. So even though Palm Sunday is April 14th, we're going to have Palm Sunday today. Um, and then we'll also have the first thing that comes right after uh, Palm Sunday, which is this that, uh, that Gina has created. <laughs> so this is just a beautiful thing on which to meditate this morning. So I want to invite you before you leave today to be sure and come up and look at uh, the altar area. So would you join me now in prayer? God of grace, God of love, God of mercy, what a joy it is to be here today, to be in worship, to be close to you, to be reminded of your love and your grace and your mercy. Draw us closer to you today, God. And may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable, pleasing in your sight, O oh God, our strength, our rock, our refuge, our savior, our redeemer. Amen. Well, I didn't grow up around here. 
I uh, grew up in a very different part of the state where we use words like y'all and bless your heart and we drink lots of sweet tea. Uh, I grew up in very southern rural Virginia. And down there we do some things a little differently. For instance, uh, we often use outdoor clotheslines as a way to dry our clothes. And if you grew up in an urban setting, this might sound like a strange thing. Uh, we'd run our loads through the washing machine and then while they were still wet, we'd use clothespins and attach them to this coated wire that hangs between two large T-shaped poles in the backyard. Well, my sister recently told me about a family's experience of hanging out their clothes on clothesline and what it was like for them. I wanted to share that with you. She said that whenever they would hang their clothes out on clothesline, their dog would, while they were at work, come along and pull down every single thing <laughs> off the clothesline with his teeth. And so when they got home from work, all those clean clothes that they had hung up that morning were dirty now, lying underneath the clothesline instead of on it. Well, so they decided to break the dog of this habit. So they would hang up one blue towel every day in the same spot on clothesline, and if the dog touched the blue towel and pulled it off the clothesline, then they didn't reward him. And if the dog didn't touch the blue towel, they would reward him graciously over and over again. So eventually the dog learned, leave the towel up, good things happen. Take the towel down, good things don't happen. So they finally, after about a week, the dog stopped touching the blue towel and would leave it there day after day after day. So they thought, now, the time is safe. We can start hanging our clothes out again on the clothesline. So the next day in the morning, they washed two loads of clothes, hung all out on the line and went to work. When they got home, all of the clothes were underneath the clothesline except for the one blue towel hanging in the same spot. You might say the dog got it right. And then again, you might say the dog missed the point. Missing the point. That's something I do far too often. Missing the point. It's much of what Holy Week is about, missing the point. It's much of what Palm Sunday is about, missing the point. It's much of why Jesus was angry in the temple, missing the point. It's much of what a relationship with Jesus Christ is about, and I thank God for that. And what do I mean? Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem for the first and only time in this Gospel of Mark. He makes a special entrance into the city, and Jesus tells two of his disciples to get a colt for him. Tradition often says it's a donkey. And the disciples put their cloaks on it, and then Jesus sits on the cloaks on the donkey and begins to ride into the city, and people start to notice. There had been a lot of talk about Jesus. He had healed person after person after person. He had fed thousands. He was an impressive teacher. Word had spread that Jesus was coming. So a big crowd begins to gather, and they start to throw their cloaks on the ground in front of the donkey and their leafy branches as well. Jesus continues to ride on the colt. And as they watch Jesus on the colt, they start to cry out words from Psalm 118, Hosanna, save us. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. Hosanna in the highest. 
So Jesus' entrance into the city turns into this impromptu parade. People look to Jesus to save them. Why? They've been living under Roman oppression. They think that Jesus will be their great military deliverer, a hero who will rescue them from Rome. He will free them from oppression. He will defeat Roman rule, fight against the authorities, and overturn the government. That's what they want, except that he doesn't. Jesus does not turn out to be the hero for whom people had hoped. He does not rescue them from Rome. He does not free them from oppression. He does not defeat Roman rule. He does not fight against the authorities. He does not overturn the government. He does not become their military savior. Though you might say they did get one thing right. He did come to save them. But you might also say they missed the point. He did not save them in the way they had imagined nor in the way they had wanted. So the people who shout, save us on Sunday, are the same ones who shout, kill him on Friday. That is the strange curve of Holy Week. Palm Sunday is a great misunderstanding. In the parade, they miss the point. And that brings us to our second story for the day. After the parade, Jesus heads to the temple as he often did in his ministry. This time, though, instead of sitting down to teach and welcome people, he did not sit down. He got angry. He turned over the tables and chairs and threw the money on the ground. He drove the people out instead of welcoming them in. Why? The temple had turned into this commercial enterprise. People were changing money. Those who had coins with images of pagan deities on them had to exchange them for other coins in order to offer them in the temple <clears throat> treasury. People who needed to offer animals for sacrifice could purchase them at the temple. But those commercial endeavors often preyed on the poorest among them. And Jesus, looking around that day, determined that those who were running the temple, the religious leaders, had become greedy, mercenary, money grabbers. So Jesus shouts scripture from Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7 that the religious leaders had turned the temple into a den of robbers and what God had meant for it to be was a house of prayer for all, all. You might say the religious leaders missed the point of what church was meant to be about. If we've been around the church world long enough, we know that that happens from time to time that the leaders get it wrong. That even what starts with good intentions can wind up being a travesty of what the community gathered in the name of Jesus Christ is meant to be about. Sometimes religious leaders mess that up in minor ways and other times in grievous, catastrophic, heartbreaking ones. Many people would say that's happening now in the aftermath of General Conference and in other news stories about churches in the media these days. There's a lot of it. Reverend Jim Walker, someone I met years ago, told me a story about a church he helped start uh, many years ago. He was the founding pastor uh, in Hot Metal Bridge Faith Community in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 
It's an inner city church located in an impoverished area and the congregation is this vast mix of diverse people from all kinds of backgrounds who bring in all kinds of stories. It's awesome. And the church didn't start out meeting in a school like Kingstown did. They started out meeting in a tattoo parlor. Would you enjoy that? That might be fun on Sunday morning. <laughs> and eventually their community began to grow and grow and they decided they wanted to purchase some property. And there was an old abandoned bar in that same community near the tattoo parlor. So they decided they would buy, they had enough money then, they'd buy this old abandoned bar. And an architect would work with them to redesign it so they could have their soup kitchen in there, they could have meals every week, they could have worship, and they could wait. So when the blueprints were ready, they gathered a group of folks there at the abandoned bar that morning. The two pastors were there, members of the leadership team were there, some other folks from the congregation. And they were all, had the blueprints spread out on the tables there at the bar. And while they were looking at the blueprints, they were imagining such a growing, incredible church and a growing ministry. And they couldn't wait. They had all these dreams about what they were going to do and living out their faith. And a woman came to the front door. And she stood there. They looked up and they noticed that she had three stocking caps on and two coats which they said would have been normal had it been deep winter in Pittsburgh, except that it was a summer. It was about 80 degrees outside. And they noticed she had a grocery cart just outside the door that was filled with belongings. So he said, with one look, we knew that she was one of the persons who were homeless that live in our community. And he said, we didn't want to deal with it that day. So we kept looking at the blueprints. And we kept dreaming about what ministry we were going to do together. It was going to be awesome. She kept standing there. And so they thought, well, we'll just keep our heads down. If we ignore her long enough, maybe she'll go away. And we can just keep focusing on our plans and dreaming together. And their sort of unspoken rule was, don't look at her. Maybe she'll go away. But she didn't move. And she stood right there in the doorway. And finally, she had stood there so long that she said, hey, what are you people about anyway? Jim said, that was the moment when I woke up. All of us, every one of us in the bar that morning missed the point. Here we were dreaming about what kind of ministries we were going to do, and we were ignoring someone standing right in front of us. He said, so I got up, and I walked outside, and I helped her with a cart, and I sat down on the curb, and we talked for a long time. And every single person who was there looking at those blueprints that day, pretending she hadn't been standing there, came out and shook her hand and met her and invited her to church. And she started coming. He said, we tell that story at our church again and again and again because we don't want to make that mistake anymore. Dreaming about what ministry is going to be and missing it when it's right smack dab in front of us not paying attention to the person, whoever that person is, who's right before us. He said later they were so thankful for that course correction. Sometimes it takes one person shouting, hey, what are you people about anyway? And sometimes it takes someone turning over some tables to help us remember. People have for centuries used this passage, this story about Jesus overturning the tables as a way to call out the church when it gets it wrong. This particular passage does not address a wide range of grievances. 
This one deals with money. But the larger point of the text is that when preserving the institution matters more than the means of grace, we have missed the point. When we are not doing the very things we are supposed to do as a people of faith, we have missed the point. When we obscure the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have missed the point. And I wonder in what ways we do that. As people of faith, I know I get it wrong from time to time and pull down everything off the clothesline except that one blue towel. I may miss the forest for the trees. I may fail to really see and hear the person in front of me. I say things I wish I hadn't said. I do things I wish I hadn't done. I let my priorities get way off track and forget to make Jesus central in my life. I may take my issues out on others. It can be all too easy to neglect what really matters. Some days it's a struggle to be who God has called me to be, but I so want to be that, genuinely, authentically. Maybe we all struggle with it from time to time. There is nothing I want more in my life, and yet I mess it up every day. Help me, Lord. Christ have mercy, save us. And so I find myself right back where we started today joining the people standing alongside as the Palm Sunday parade goes by, asking Jesus to save us, but not from Rome this time, from ourselves, from priorities that get out of whack, Lord, save us, from a life that can feel meaningless, Lord, save us, from brokenness, from emptiness, from sin, Lord, save us from self-centeredness, hopelessness, from being so overwhelmed we may not feel like we can take it anymore, from thinking too little or too much of ourselves, Lord, save us. And this is what he comes to do. And here's the thing that gets me about Holy Week as we're entering this sermon series today, knowing we're going to have trouble with this thing called faith knowing we're going to have trouble living it out, knowing we're going to have trouble with this thing called church, knowing that we will so miss the point of it at times. Jesus plods along through Holy Week anyway, steadily, faithfully, one uncomfortable step on a donkey after another. Jesus knows us and comes on Palm Sunday anyway. Jesus knows we will shout for him on Sunday and at him on Good Friday. And he comes anyway. He knows we will reject him and he comes on Palm Sunday anyway. And he knows that we and the church will sometimes miss the point. And he comes on Palm Sunday anyway. That is love for all of us. Jesus is notorious for in fact, he loves us so much, it kills him. So on Palm Sunday, he gets on that donkey and rides into town to save us. The season of Lent is a good time for us to watch the parade, to see Jesus overturn the tables. This season of Lent is meant to be like 
Alyssa said, a time for course correction. So that instead of missing the point, we can get it by Easter morning. So that by God's grace, we can hit the nail on the head and not take all the clothes off the clothesline. As the money changers are shocked in the temple by Jesus, as those focusing hard on blueprints in an old bar are shocked by a woman wearing three stocking caps, may we be shocked by Lent and called back to the point of it all, to what we are meant to be about, loving God and loving our neighbors, all our neighbors, including our friend with the grocery cart. Let us put skin on the love of God in our daily living and make it real by being church together in our community authentically, genuinely for all. This is the start of Holy Week in which Jesus loves us so much he will die for us. Irrepressible love like that will save us. And that's the point. May we not miss it. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Through Lent, we're going to uh, have this song as, a, as a, sort of a prayer of confession as we lead ourselves into prayers of the people. So, uh, will you sing it with us?